With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to They Might Be Mariners, Look at Landing's prospect-focused podcast. We are here uh, at the end of day two of the MLB draft, which also is the end of the MLB draft this year, which is sad, uh, but we... Weird. Got, sad yeah, and weird. weird. Yeah, it feels, feels sort of stunted. Uh, yeah, abbreviated. Very much so. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it really does feel like... Well, tomorrow there's there's more, right? You know, you, you, I, I we normally blurb individually. No draft for, for you. Yeah. No more draft for you. We normally write up an individual blurb for each of the first ten rounders, and then we're sort of like, okay, well, like every five guys will write up something. It's like, no, everyone, everyone got 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 one. Um, you know, we we had a fun day today, um, tracking the whole draft, but. Uh, it's over. It's over. It's uh, over. And uh, I, how how are you guys feeling? Just initial initial reactions. Now we we got a few good questions. So I want to get right into those, but just immediate just gut feelings right now. I feel good. Uh, it's hard to walk away from a draft where you pull you know someone with ace potential mm-hmm. like with bad feelings. And I think um, you know we'll get into the day two picks, but. I thought Zach Deloach was a really, really fun pick. Um, so I feel all right. Mm-hmm. Kate? 
I'm mad at myself because I chose to believe that they were going to be truthful when they said we're going to see Kai upside and interpreted that to mean what I wanted it to interpret and not um, what actually happened, which was, I think, what we would usually see in a very traditional Mariners draft, a lot of the guys we would often see, but without, like, kind of the fringe fun guys. It was, it just, um, I, I was, I was a little let down. Usually I'm pretty excited by the second round pick even, and that felt like kind of a compromise. Yeah. And then there just, there wasn't enough space to rebound with like fun draft or fun prep arms, which at least they've taken prep arms. And yeah, it was, there was, there was no spot for, you know, Michael Limoncelli. No, uh-huh. no, there was no Michael Limoncelli, um, no Tyler Driver, no Adam Matchko, like yeah. nothing. No, no D- DCS. Um, no, so nope. I mean, no, I I no would prep. say that no you, prep, yeah, no prep, no <laughs> prep here. It feels very um, spoiled when you're looking at a draft where you had Emerson Hancock to say like I was disappointed by the draft but I mean I you know and I'm sure a lot of these guys will grow on me but I have to say that my overall feelings are kind of like eh, it was a solid draft it wasn't a spectacular draft and other teams who are kind of working with the same amount of money the same numbers of picks the same mm-hmm. you know did better like I think the St. Louis Cardinals did better I think mm-hmm. the Rockies did better like, none of them got an Emerson Hancock, which is, you know, the big takeaway from this. But I like their breadth better than um, maybe this this depth, which I don't think is all that deep. Yeah. So Yeah. Well, let's let's go into the questions. Cause I think we're, we're right up against uh, a couple of things we got here. Uh, so on Twitter, um, Nico Edgar, at Nico Edgar 4, uh, Asked, do you feel like the Mariners drafted kind of boring? And um, I, I sort of want to pair this because it, it uh, Alex Potts at Alex Potts three um, sort of went went even more sort of uh, in depth on it and said, I feel like they played us. Jerry said the Omar Narvaez trade would give us extra flexibility to take risk. And I did not see a single high upside quote unquote risky pick. In fact, rounds two through five look like they will be under slot. If that's the case, then it's a huge slap in the face to M's fans. Um, so where do you guys fall on this? Do you think it's, you know, boring? Do you think it's boring and a slap in the face? Uh, do you think Alex is correct in, in saying that you, they didn't really take any high upside uh, risky uh, you know, toolsy kind of picks. Mm-hmm. I think uh, I think the the language is a little strong. I don't know if I don't know. I don't think we were played, and I don't think it was a major slap in the face per se. I don't. You know, I don't remember when Jerry came out and said that with the extra bonus pool money they can, you know, go a little bit more risky. But what I do know is. I, you know, when he said that, I think we might still have been in a stage where it was somewhere between five and 25 rounds. And I don't know if it had been locked down to five rounds yet. Um, I could be wrong in that. But one thing that I take away from this draft is Seattle must think that they are closer to competing than 
uh, some fans think. Because if you go with, I mean, you look at you look at like Baltimore, and, and Baltimore had some splashy preps, and Detroit also, you know, way behind the bandwagon. Uh, they had some splashy preps, and Milwaukee's on their way to, you know, what looks to be a long rebuild. They had some splashy preps. Um, I think Seattle must think that they're closer to competing than a lot of other people do. Um, I'll say this, though. There can be a philosophical way to approach this draft in that safety is is security in a way because you know the Connor Phillips pick is kind of the that's kind of the pick where things shifted because you're talking about a 19 year old who's coming from a community college. Granted, he was like one of the best community college pitchers in the country, and he throws 97 and all that, but he's not a name and he's not someone that we've researched and he's not someone that you know carries a lot of uh bravado among scouting circles so i definitely am disappointed in the fact that they didn't draft a prep and i'm certainly disappointed that they didn't draft a dynamic player up the middle um but I don't know if the language that I would use would be quite so strong. I, boring might not be the right word. It might just be safe. Yeah, I, I think that um, the specific quote, because I, I think this makes sense for Alex, especially in, in terms of the uh, sort of feeling played of the, the particular phrasing you used in terms of like a high upside uh, up the middle player. Mm-hmm. That was, you know, from Depoto. That was like from the front office itself. Um, in and and that particular phrasing, at least, was like within the last couple of months when we knew the draft was going to be. Uh, you know, I believe at that point we already knew it was five rounds. Certainly, we knew it would be no more than ten. Um, and and. That uh, that is frustrating, even even as in that regard. In that regard, definitely, Seattle didn't get Mariners fans didn't get what they were necessarily uh, marketed to to receive in this draft, and that and that's frustrating. And you know, the three of us have talked about this on podcasts, and that we're we're really just waiting for Seattle to take a dynamic up the middle prep. Mm-hmm. That they can grow in center field, shortstop, second base, like, mm-hmm. and again they they didn't do it, right. um, and that's frustrating, even without Depoto's um, you know suggestion that they're going to go that direction. You want to see that at some point, and it's been five years. Yeah, Kate, how do, how do you feel about it? Um, I I mean I tried to like keep in mind that. When they said a dynamic player, they meant what they considered dynamic, <laughs> like, <laughs> which is maybe not what I consider dynamic, because um, they have been operating very much in this very traditional, pretty safe, college-heavy, um, especially arm-heavy. Like they know that they can develop pitching, and so like, why not just get all the pitching? If, which I mean, to me, kind of makes sense. If you know that you are one of the top five clubs in baseball, and Eno Saris from The Athletic has said he believes the Mariners are one of the top five clubs in baseball at developing pitching. So if you know you're elite at that, get pitching, develop it, 
trade it for what you can't develop or trade it for what you need. And I think that there's a certain logic to that, but also trades are risky. And, you know, we've seen kind of some good outcomes from trades and some not good outcomes from trades. So that strategy makes me risk, makes me worry. It makes me worry that like we're tilting too far towards this safe college arm, tons of arms in the system. No, who will, who will play the positions? Um, you know, the first, they use their second round pick on an outfielder. And I know a lot of people aren't happy about that because that is one position that yeah, we, we've got a fair amount of, like we're pretty weak on the infield. And even if you look at, um, what we've done internationally, so typically, um, middle infield prospects slash center fielders come from the international pool. Right. Um, but we don't have any shortstops, like premium shortstops in the international pool. We have no LV Marte who maybe sticks it short. He is a project. I watched him take ground balls and it was a little scary. I mean, he was over at second, but, um, and he's, you know, he's probably four, maybe five years away. Even mm, even in that circumstance, he's that many years away. But yeah, well, like he was, uh, the, he was the, maybe the, going to. I mean, he was probably going to like start in Everett this year, right? Yeah, like, I think his bat is going to force his way. So there are some fun things coming up. There's Starlin Aguilar, who's going to be signed this year, I, theoretically. Um, also a third baseman, though. So like, there's this crew. There's Jonathan Classe in center field. Like, there is a crew moving through the DSL, and that's where you get typically your most dynamic players who are not drafted out of high school are going to come from your international side. So uh, I guess what I want to see them do is I want to see them commit more internationally, be riskier, go after guys who are like kind of listed in that top 10, as opposed to this strategy that they've used of like the very unfortunate phrase, penny slots. It, it, I mean, fine, play to your strengths, but it's not a super inspiring draft when you look at what was taken. And I, I think maybe it's a little bit the like eating your vegetables, right? Like they got a lot of guys who I think have qualities that the Mariners are uniquely positioned to get a lot out of. They have shown this tendency to get guys who have had really strong breakout seasons and just collect them at that point. Josh Stowers is one of those. Um, a bunch of the guys that they drafted last year. Uh, they like Cape Cod performers. They got a lot of those in this draft. But it's not something that like maybe shows up on draft day. I feel like it's it maybe is almost to to go deeper into the food analogy. The, the Mariners are like on a paleo diet and they that might work for them. Is the paleo diet pitchers? Did cavemen eat pitchers? Well, it's like it's it's meat and you know it's like it's meat and veggies. Like they, I don't know the the, the specifications of what players are what foods. But it's like you know if you consider this the vet you know vegetables of a draft like they they are limiting themselves to certain profiles of players and that's. It seemingly the type of player that they can develop really well. Um, but, you know, if they are only able to develop a certain type of player and that doesn't include, you know, the most physically talented players out there oftentimes, 
is that good development? Like, you know, or is that enough? You know, like, enough? like yeah. exactly, like, yeah. So, so it's that, not balanced. Exactly. But in counterpoint, I would say, like, I've ragged on Detroit for a long time about it having a super arms heavy system, mm-hmm. and I think in this one draft, they yeah. <laughs> just. So I would say the big caveat to this is if the Mariners, you know, somehow wind up with a similar draft position next year if games are played and they're somehow able to work themselves even higher they could have one draft like this like detroit did detroit just filled all the holes in that system in like one fell swoop so that's tough i mean you look back though at the last five years and at least for detroit while they've been pitcher heavy at least they've like dipped their toes into the middle infield market in rounds one through ten in the past yeah. five years, yeah. Seattle had like five, five in the last si- forty-seven picks in the first ten rounds in the last five years, and they've taken five middle infielders, and three of them have been seniors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're so extreme as to almost like, be like extreme. a mockery of it. But I'll also, well, I we'll never another, want to be too far on the extreme. I want to make another counterpoint, just to like where the team should be drafting. I would argue that. As it pertains to farm systems, value is value is value is value. So if the team uses that value, if they use their liquidable assets to trade or it doesn't matter how they use them, if they utilize them to bring in the players that they want, mm-hmm. then, you know, all's well that ends well. You know, it's an, it's a means to an end. I mean, I think um, that's a fair, that is a fair yeah. point in that it, that does get lost in this is that like the players that are taken now don't like that's not what you're stuck with stuck that's not like what the what the farm system is going to be that's not what the roster is going to be just set in stone like if you need to at pretty much any point you can always trade for prospects that are up the middle or you can trade for you know i mean you can trade for a jp crawford or shed long you know because you have i mean that's how they got shed long because they had an excess in having in good outfield prospects so they were able to trade Josh Stowers and like get an immediate you know playable near you know MLB ready uh middle infield prospect in Shedlong so like it is in a sense like it's not that consequential necessarily because if they can develop these guys and consistently develop guys who then other teams want to trade for that's fine the problem you know the the point though is like okay but then those guys come in can you get the most out of those guys who you don't have any one necessarily like you know (laughs) are you are you able to get those and and maybe i mean maybe that's worrying about and it doesn't gnats but uh it doesn't take into consideration where this team's going to spend either like kate and i were talking about last night we don't know like they're going to spend on an infielder at some point in the next two or three years mm-hmm. so we have to yeah i just think the mariners have are they're just kind of this exercise in trust and this exercise in patience because and, ooh, does this fan base pretty understandably not have either yeah, of those, not, right not, you know, like, not our biggest <laughs> asset yeah but like yeah. you look at 2019 and seattle drafted brandon williamson and they drafted josh stowers uh the year before that mm. at the top of the draft and you know those are just two guys that at the time of the draft those are highly visible highly excitable picks 
and Seattle walked away from them with guys that nobody largely had heard of. And, you know, this year they walk away with pick 64 with a Connor Phillips who, who nobody uh, largely had heard of. So they turned Josh Stowers into, uh, into Shed Long and Brandon Williamson appears to be a value um, that's about right for where he was picked. Um, so you just kind of have to trust the front office. I mean, the mm-hmm. thing about DePoto and his entire front office is, no, we haven't been to the playoffs yet, but you can't argue with the results of the minor league system. I mean, they've turned it on its head. Yeah, it's it, it is it is I think a, a one of the or potentially one of the biggest frustrations of not having games this year thus far is that you're not like getting to see full seasons from J.P. Crawford, from Shed Long, from Kyle Lewis, from Jake Fraley, you know, getting to see potentially Logan Gilbert and Jared Kelnick debut. I mean, those, those are the type of things where it's like, okay, you start to feel like beyond, beyond you know, the three of us and, and you know, on staff who are, you know, focused, you know, looking at a mag- with a magnifying glass at this stuff every day, you know, people can start to develop a degree of trust because they're seeing results, uh, you know, on a daily basis. And, and I don't think we're getting, or, or, you know, develop an understanding of why things aren't working if, if that is how it goes down. But, um, it, it's hard to trust necessarily just based on, on minor league results, even if it is deserved or things are, are working. Um, Joe, you started to allude to this a bit, and I, I would love to uh, get into it because I have a sense of what your answer is. Uh, so from Chris W. at ZipKidCW on Twitter, uh, just a, a, a reasonable uh, pairing of, of questions here. Um, which day two pick are you most excited about, and uh, which day two pick has the highest upside if they put it all together, uh, and, and what would that look like? Yeah, this is a really hard question simply because, um, like, like Caden Polkovich, who I'd seen very briefly on the Cape, Taylor Dollard, I haven't watched any of, Connor Phillips, I hadn't even read on. So those three immediately are eliminated for me. Tyler Keenan, John, you and I had done a lot of research on him, but like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like at best, he's like Pedro Alvarez. Like, at, yeah. like at best, he's going to be a guy that hits, you know, 270 and hits 35 home runs and like a, literally yeah, like a one like a 120 i mean I, I think i compared hunter dozier was the comp where it's like this is a bad defensive third baseman probably but he hits yeah. enough like he's an above average hitter if so you just it, think, like it balances out like at best tyler keenan is dan vogelbach except with a little bit more like i mean marginally more defensive value at a different position so for me the answer is easy and that it's zach deloach and I've been watching Zach Deloach since last July, and I, you know, I, I love the talent. I, you know, personally, it looks like MLB.com had him as just inside the top 80. I had him at like 45 to 50, so I really think that we got a good value in Zach Deloach. Um, I would put him just above Jake Fraley on the Mariners' top prospect list uh, because he's got more natural power. He doesn't have to... Um, you know, go, go all out for it. He can get to it a lot easier in game. So I think the answer pretty e- is pretty easily Zach Deloach in this one. But I'll preface that by saying the Mariners might think it's Connor Phillips, mm-hmm. but none of us know enough about the guy. Yes. So that was going to be my answer to mm-hmm. this 
yeah. question is, Sorry. I think if we're going to say that there's a, because I mean, again, there are like six picks and obviously none of us are picking Emerson Hancock. So <laughs> that leaves a pretty thin spread for the rest of us to pick. Um, I think Phillips is, we were saying there's no preps. He is basically a prep. I mean, he's a year out of, he's, he's like a, a got left behind kid, <laughs> got repeating the 12th grade kind of prospect. Uh, so he would be old if he was a high schooler, right? Cause he's 19, but he's 37 right. days past his 19th birthday. He's not old at yeah. all. He's basically um, a prep. He committed to LSU and then um, didn't get the signing bonus he wanted when he was drafted by the Blue Jays really late. I don't know if he was seen as like a tough sign or just not advanced enough. I think it's probably more of that. So he went off and just pitched in a JUCO for a while so that he would be draft eligible again this year. So smart decision for him. He's getting a way bigger payday um, than he would have. Tough for us because, like you said, very difficult to the JUCO. God bless their hearts. Bless their hearts. Uh, the JUCO camera work is not the best. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I um, promise, I hand to God, promise not to complain about the camera at Modesto for like at least another year. Uh, um, I will not, but it's <laughs> very brave of you. <laughs> it's good of you. But, but um, I mean, it, it's 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 worse than that, really. But anyway, so it's difficult to get looks at him. But if you just look at, there's whispers that there's analytic that he's kind of an analytics darling. I could not find anything about that. I'm going to do a deeper dive and see if that information is out there anywhere. Um, but obviously, the Mariners saw something or liked something in him. I think he is a big upside pick. He's the only really, I think, big upside pick um, from that that standpoint, at least looking at a prep. As far as, like, I think he's further away from his ceiling than any of these other guys. So if you want to, like, latch on and watch someone develop, it's still a pitcher. So it's still like, well, I mean, we know you guys can do that. Um, it's not really, not as much of a challenge as I would like. But that's that would definitely be my pick. Yeah, I... I think that makes sense. Um, I, I think this is where the sort of lack of athleticism, so to speak, uh, comes through in terms of the upside play because you've got, you know, a, 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 f a couple pitchers, um, you know, and, and I think you're you're right about Phillips in, in him being sort of, because he's just an unknown, <laughs> he, he may be the most sort of tantalizing, but like Deloach, I, I like his swing. He's also pretty likely a corner outfielder which you know sort of limits the limits the upside a bit you've got um uh oh my god i literally just can't remember his caden uh, polkovich polkovich yeah polkovich. it's a little it's a little hard i, I hadn't actually said it polkovich. out loud polkovich um yeah polkovich who essentially uh you know is it looks like an interesting sort of pop you know, poppy utility guy. And you've got Keenan who has, again, big old bat, but like maybe is a third baseman. And that is, you know, that would be not generous. The, yeah. Very I mean, like, I think like, I, I, yeah, I, I really do think, I think Vogelbach is, is 
over harsh on him in terms of uh his athleticism um like he has better hands he's he moves more much more fluidly and like if you right. put him at first base he would like he would look much more fluid than Vogelback does but like he's just you know he's just not fast so like you would either have to put an extremely good defensive thir- shortstop uh next to him or or you know you just put him at first so like all those positions are are ones where it's like the upside is naturally capped because you're only getting a you know one facet of the game at at a really high level um so that's that's tough. I, I like Keenan a lot, and I and I do like Deloach, but it, it is it, you know it's it's not the same as well. It it is it is like it, I don't know it, it, the the a bird in the hand, two in the bush kind of thing. But like, what if it's like a whole big old nest? I've had a lot of sort of suspect metaphors here tonight, and uh, I apologize. <laughs> it's okay. For that, it's been a long day. <laughs> It's been a long day. We are currently in what our twelfth hour of working uh, on this. Yeah. So yeah, it's been a long day. Yeah, well, I went to, at I least went to, our twelfth hour. Yeah, I went to bed at one thirty last night after finishing the Hancock, you know, piece. So yeah. Yeah. Joe, what were you gonna say? Well, I was just gonna say like I I know what you're trying to say. Like Tyler Keenan is great, and he yeah he he can play third base, but if you look over to like Detroit. They've got Trey Cruz, and mm-hmm. they've got Colt Keith, and they've mm-hmm. got Gage Workman. And two of those are probably shortstops, but three of those can play the position. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, you look at Baltimore, and you got Jordan Westberg, and you got mm-hmm. Anthony Servideo, and you mm-hmm. got Kobe Mayo, three mm-hmm. shortstops. Probably uh, two shortstops in reality, but, like, you just would like to see the team reach for a little bit more dynamic ability um because when i made the comparison to vogelbach i don't think he's by any means um you know the athlete that vogelbach is he's a much better asset he's smoother he's more fluid yeah but my my point is more so it doesn't matter if you put tyler keenan at third base and if tyler keenan listens to this i'm excited for the player but it doesn't matter if you put him at third base, and it doesn't matter if you put him at first base. He's not going to be an asset in any, in any way. He's not going to provide excess value on the base paths or defensively or with his arm. Like that's just that's just where I struggle. Is it's boomer bust at the bat, and if the bat isn't there, then it's a huge liability, like everywhere. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Um, so. We've got a, we've got a, another question here um, from Chris who who had a, a three pack of questions that were all uh, excellent there, um, and that was uh, a little bit different tack, and that is, um, what uh, undrafted seniors should we be hoping to sign? We got that question uh, from a couple folks, uh, D Molson at Burlives Pipe. Uh, on Twitter, asked something similar as well. Excuse though. me, that's Burl Ives's pipe, like Burl Ives. That the, is not someone I am. That's not a reference. Singer, I get. he did all those animatronic Christmas this specials. <laughs> silver and gold, silver and gold. Frosty, uh, pa- the I, snowman. I do know Frosty the snowman. Good I, Lord. 
Uh, it's never, been a never while. Mind. Never mind. It's a very good reference and a Just good Just let me crumble into that. dust in peace. No, I mean, that's on me. I should probably know that. Anyways, we've got another question from, from Bro Lives Pipe that we'll get to in a sec. But are, are there any undrafted seniors? I mean, for anyone who, who needs a quick refresher, the, the rules basically say uh, teams can sign unlimited number of guys who are draft eligible to a maximum of $20,000 signing bonuses uh, starting Sunday, I think. But the, I don't know what exactly that how that will play out. Regardless, that's, you know, kind of a shitty, uh, <laughs> to, to put a word on it, amount of money for a lot of these guys who very reasonably could have been top 10 round talents. And even if they weren't top 10 round talents might've gotten, you know, a larger signing bonus, um, particularly a lot of the prep guys. So you'll see some of the seniors. Uh, I, I think seniors are particularly ones who, who can um, get a, you know, will will be willing to sign because there's no real alternative anyway. But uh, are, are there any guys who, who fit that bill for you that, that, you, you could see Seattle potentially luring in. I don't know if there will be senior signs, honestly. Like, I mean, maybe maybe there will be some guys who, like, really just want to play baseball. and um, But generally, they kind of last to senior year for a reason. Clubs take them because they are offsetting some other spending elsewhere. I mean, on, it, it stinks, but senior signs are generally, like... Um, kind of tools in the draft who then, you know, go on and maybe they have a few years. I don't have the exact numbers off the top of my head how many senior signs, like, make it. But the numbers aren't great because the numbers aren't great for anyone to make it through baseball. So um, I was thinking about this and I was like, man, there's going to be such a run on free agents tomorrow. You know, you've got all the senior signs. You've got all these other guys. I don't know. I mean, first of all, you're looking at no affiliates that they have to be sent to like there aren't any guy there you haven't had the west virginia power who've been playing for two months and like maybe have a bunch of hurt pitching staff people and then you can just like sign some of these guys and go send them out be like there you go here's your uh here's your uniform pants and uh good luck so there's not spaces for them to play there's not a huge pressing need there's contraction of the minor leagues so maybe there aren't roster spots for all of these guys I don't think the numbers are going to be that intense. And then you have a lot of other guys who maybe have a little leverage if they go back to school. Maybe they'll re-enter as seniors. Maybe they'll retake, you know, red shirt, basically, and go back as juniors and try to test their luck next year. Maybe some of them will look into playing overseas. I, that's something that's coming up, too. I don't know if those guys are going to want to sign for $20,000. And I think this is a thing where it's really going to come down to relationships that scouts have built with individual players and how interested that player is in coming to play for your team. And that's where I think teams like the, the A's and the Angels, who have like furloughed their scouts and those people aren't with the organization right now slash anymore, uh, the Astros who have cut their scouting department down hugely, like, and maybe you can just say like, oh, we don't, we don't need those anyway. But yeah, I just wonder if the, the number of people who sign over this weekend is going to be as ten as intense as like, I had kind of originally thought of it as like a feeding frenzy almost. And I don't think that'll be the case. I think you're right. I, um, I think at most you're going to see a handful of guys sign with each team, like, 
like five or less. Um, and I, it's, it's going to be strictly college seniors. And unfortunately for the Mariners, as was, you know, widely reported, they're just kind of tucked away in the corner of the country and the state of Washington isn't really a hotbed for talent. Yeah, and, there's no guys who are like, I'm coming home to yeah, play for my hometown there's Mariners. There's, there's like three of those guys every year and we sign them anyway. I do we think... get the Austin Shentons, we get the Garrett Westbergs, and those guys, I mean, we cut Garrett, Garrett Westberg loose after he had like, I don't know, a half dozen innings or something ridiculous yeah. like and that. And Austin Shenton so. was only, he was a draft eligible sophomore. So, like, or was he a JC or was he a draft eligible sophomore? No, he, he wasn't he a JC. But didn't he went to JC and then transferred to he was Florida uh, South Florida. Florida yeah yeah wasn't one of he those. Florida International it was one FIU because I always yeah. I I repeatedly have mixed it up with FSU <laughs> yeah so but like you look at Austin Shenton and he had three more two more years of eligibility so like the chances of him making it to his his senior year were pretty low I do think there's a couple of guys that maybe uh you could look out for the first one is AJ Block. Um, he's a left-handed pitcher out of WSU. He's from, I think he's from Bellevue. Um, he's a big kid. I think he's like six foot five, 225 pounds. Um, good, good strikeout to walk ratio, 34 strikeouts and five walks in 27 innings. He's like 91 to 93 on the mound with a decent slider. Um, he's definitely like, I'm a Coug and I'm definitely going to say he's an organizational guy. Um, he, he's never posted like great numbers by any means uh, in Pullman, so I wouldn't expect him to be like he's always had an ERA that floats around four. So I wouldn't expect him to be like a guy that you know breaks out in any way. The other one that I would point out would be Christian Jones, who was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Washington in 2016, and he went to UW. Kind of played all over the field, and he's hit like you know 240 to 260 all along the way. Um, and he's just never put it together. So those are a couple of seniors that are local. They make sense. Um, and you might see some other, you know, small pop-up kids from like Seattle University or, um, you know, small schools. But by and large, um, there's not going to be a lot of guys being signed. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Although, actually, let me add one more thing. I If there was a position group that I was thinking Seattle did have a good shot at, at bringing kids up from the South or from the Midwest, um, like power reliever arms, they've done such a good job developing those over the years that, you know, you could see like, John McMillan or people like that maybe come up. 
Well, I was going to say, like, the only, because I, I 100% agree with, with what you guys said, and I think uh, Seattle has, for what it's worth, had a few undrafted free agents that have gotten themselves into a little bit of uh, prospect shine uh, in, in the past couple of years. You know, Ray Kerr was an undrafted free agent. Um, I actually don't remember where Raker was from um but you know essentially had turned into a guy they sent to the Arizona Fall League and really opened some eyes as a lefty throwing in the upper 90s um through you know I mean obviously a ton of work from him and from the Mariners continuing to work with him and and get him a uh the right opportunity um Devin Sweet another guy who's out of uh North Carolina um not the University of North Carolina, but uh, the state itself, um, and was an undrafted guy. You know, initially started in the bullpen and with some tweaks is now like not a nothing starting pitching prospect who maybe ends up in the bullpen again, but like has been dominant at every steps. You know, every stage so far. So like, uh, you know those guys also had the chance to sign with every team in the league and didn't they signed with the Mariners. And I think that comes back to Kate, as you said, the relationships like the Mariners were in contact with the Mariners had a scout in contact with Devin sweet. And they said like, they called him and said like, Hey, stay like ready, like stay ready. Like we're going to call, we're going to, you know, reach out to you. We're going to reach out to you. And like two weeks after the draft, they finally called him. We're like, all right, we've got like a spot. Like, are you down to keep playing baseball? Like we, we will sign you today for, I forget, but like, you know, no money, probably like 10,000 or something. But like, if a guy wants to keep playing baseball, there are those guys out there, you know, I mean, whether it's like, Hey, Elon has a, really you know a, a guy on the that's a senior and maybe we don't know him but there's something intriguing there i mean that that would be where these guys would come from i do think there will be a few more signees than we might expect just because there will be guys who will think well i'm gonna be old prospect wise if i don't get my pro career started and by that point i might get passed up so you know they may not see another year as you know, even if it's a bad signing bonus, they might think, well, I got to get this career going. Yeah, but, being, uh, being guaranteed a spot in an organization with numbers crunch happening is definitely a, a an aspect to all this that some kids are going to take into consideration. And, yeah, I mean, and, like, what the right balance of those considerations is, I have no idea. But. I mean, yeah, and I think that that's where it's just, like you said, about the relationship with the scout, and it's a person-by-person some kids really don't like school. Like, <laughs> they aren't going Some to Cardell school. Some Cardell Joneses did not come to play school. Uh, they, are, they did not come to play school. They are there because they're making their parents happy and mm-hmm. they're, you know, some degree of their education is funded. Mm-hmm. Also, sometimes, and this doesn't count with draft bonuses, but organizations can say, like, look, we'll pay for you to finish school. The Yankees do that. Every guy who gets mm-hmm. drafted by the Yankees is like, no matter what, like, no matter what is given money to finish school. Yeah. The Mariners have done some degree. I don't know if they do it comprehensively, but I know. I they've... think it's part of like a draft pack. Like it's part of the, the 
<laughs> the bonus package, the benefits package, yeah. but it doesn't come out of your draft pool. So right. Right. it's one of those perks that they yeah. can offer. Which is right? like, I mean, that that is, and like, you know, it sucks that it's like, okay, we'll, we'll only sign. But like, you know, that is a huge thing, right? It's like, okay, we'll go play baseball for a few years, be, you know, obviously pretty ridiculously underpaid and like have some rough conditions. But like, at a certain point when you're done with this, you can go get an education. Like, well, it's a lot such of him, a basic thing. I mean, thing. Wade did his after, but a lot of them do it while they're in the minors. That's Joe, true. Uh, Joseph yeah. Odom just finished his degree from Alabama while he was yeah in the system, which I love Joe Odom. He's a solid kid. But anyway, um, can I throw out some names? Yeah, please do. Are we throwing out names? Okay. Um, I like... Tyler, Tyler, Tanner. God, they all have the same name. Uh, Tanner, <laughs> every, yeah, Bibby. <laughs> yeah, Tanner, Tyler, Taylor. Uh, this one is Gene Tanner Lachie's Bibby. The yes, they are all named Tyler. Uh, he's from Cal State Fullerton. I've always been surprised that we have not gotten a Fullerton guy into the system. Um, and I think it's more just like... There was one a few years ago, wasn't there? I remember Ethan being... Yeah, yes, like he was super excited about a Fullerton. But, you know, you would think that that would be a pretty steady pipeline for them because mm -hmm. Fullerton produces the kinds of pitchers, the crafty righties who throw a lot of strikes that, like, the, the team really likes. I think they just have not had an opportunity to draft, like, the Colton Eastman, who I thought was an ideal target for them a few years ago. Anyway, T Tanner, Tanner, I will get his name right at some point. Uh, Bibby would be a good candidate for that i and this kind of factors into one of the questions that we got the question we got from brandon everfolly at Firebreath onion which is an excellent handle what's the one position you feel they ignored and maybe shouldn't have i said last night joe can attest to this i said i want a catcher they drafted no catchers there's no catcher the system is still extremely catching thin uh, and that is a difficult position to get internationally. You have to kind of fall into that. Catchers tend to be college, uh, white dudes. I hate to say that, but that's, that is your, if you look around, like who is catching in MLB right now or in the, the ranks of the upper minors, like that, that's something that <laughs> American baseball is pretty good at developing is like the... Big bodied catcher. So, uh, Kale M Emshoff didn't go. I was really surprised by that. I had him as a list of my I targets. I can't believe he, Kale Emshoff didn't get picked. I am shocked. Maybe he wanted a ton of money. Maybe. Is he, did he redshirt? He redshirted, right? Yeah. Is and he a sophomore? I did hear that he had a, a, like a reasonably big number, but when power at, at that position is so hot i figured someone was definitely yeah. gonna pop so i guess he, there's corey no collins way he signs too. there's probably no way he signs for i think uh, didn't Corey collins go i did he i didn't see him go i Maybe thought he, he got did. picked but um yeah just i there's got to be a catcher out there somewhere but even the guy from virginia tech whose name i continually get wrong carson taylor i'm pretty sure that's it um it he is got taken. correct yes yes I just had to, like, move the right pieces of <laughs> the general. Um, yeah, there was you, only You, you beautiful-minded Carson Tucker <laughs> beautiful and Cole Tucker minded. out of yeah. the way there. Two-thirds of teams uh, didn't take a catcher. 
Yeah, I just where are you gonna like? It's where are you guys gonna get catchers? Where where are they gonna come from? You so. could definitely see senior signs there. It wouldn't yeah, surprise me. Like, very much. Bro- so. Yeah, Brooks Asher could go. Brett Auerbach could go. I mean, there's definitely some senior catchers out there mm-hmm. that are gonna get some attention. Yeah, I mean, at that point though, like, I, I guess at this point, there's really not that much of a difference between kind of the lower ceiling college catchers we already have in the system yeah. so well and when for a lot man of guys, i hope kyle raleigh works out is the end of that story <laughs> i mean Go for, on, for, no just for a, for a lot of these guys i mean i do really wonder like how much better does next year look like if the draft is 10 rounds yeah, i mean maybe set. you know maybe it's 20 rounds next year but like is that you know and like what is the economic situation for the game like are are the are, is ownership going to be suddenly willing to go back and you know give out a bunch of bonuses to the post you know slot value guys like some teams might but you know like the royals might continue to be like yeah this is an opportunity for us to to you know get get ahead again but like a lot of teams may just not, and and so I mean it really is. I I think if there is a rush of guys who sign, that may honestly push more guys to be inclined to sign as well, because you know that it it, it it's just I I don't know what it's going to look like. It's you know, unprecedented. And, I mean, it's just unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Nobody, none of us have gone through this. We haven't experienced this. But like Kate was saying, I mean, I think Kale Emshoff is going to be a guy as an undrafted free agent that's going to be able to command a decent chunk of change. Yeah, I do want to say, because um, we also have a question, uh, or, or just just in general addressing the sort of what they ignored and, and maybe shouldn't have uh, question that, that Kate asked. Like, um, there's not you know even going back to our first question like in in the like dre- not dregs because it's sixth through tenth rounders but like in the in the excess guys of this uh you know who who haven't already been taken there is not going to be nearly as great a pool of athletic players who can play middle infield who Seattle is going to be able to lure. There are probably going to be a number of guys who fit the build of like, yeah, a reliever or yeah, like, you know, a defense glove first catcher who like wants to get in or has some tool or maybe even, you know, like a starter who like doesn't want to risk getting hurt again. Like those, but those super, you know, those highly athletic middle infield type guys and, and middle of the field kind of guys like those guys are very unlikely to just be like, yeah, I'll take $20,000 and not go back and try and have a good year and then get picked in the, in the top 10. Like, and and that's where, I mean, like, can you guys name for me who is the likely starting shortstop in Modesto or West Virginia or Arkansas? Right now. Caballero. Jose Caballero, who is, is probably a second, a second baseman. baseman. Probably should, yeah, should exactly. be a second baseman, no. right? Like, no, absolutely. Like, you know, Cesaris Torres Jr.? Like, <gasps> the like, bat. Right? Oh, the bat is right. so horrible. I mean, like, you know, like Pat Frick is 
No. Like I'm and like Arkansas, Matt you've Sanders, got I guess. yeah, Matt Sanders. Like and Arkansas has like Connor Kopak, who's uh, I mean, like it's it's just every level cut, of he? Uh, he may have gotten cut at like every level of the system beyond you know AAA and the bigs and yeah, and wherever rough. you're putting Noel V Marte and like Caracuto if he's healthy, like there yeah, is a, like... there is not only I mean there's a huge opportunity, but there's also like it's not so much even about drafting for need as it is who can you give opportunities to make the most of themselves. And the Mariners have so many guys that they're going to be running out in the middle of the infield who are org guys, unfortunately, most likely. And that is, is bad. I mean, it's, not the, it's, it's bad. And it, well, it's, it's bad. And it's also like, it's a missed opportunity. So, so that's that's where I'm yeah. frustrated with this because it's like even if they'd just taken one, you know, like a, a guy like I mean Trey Cruz went earlier than I expected. So you know, you no, don't, you don't get let's, Trey Cruz. Let's go that's ahead. Like, let us let us all air our Harold Cole grievances, shall <laughs> exactly, we? Exactly. Shall like, we? Well, and and like Harold Cole was a guy I thought that the Mariners could have should have taken fifth round, still there, taken a number of college guys. You probably have some pool work that you could work with, but like. Even if it's not a high school guy, where it's like you're probably not putting a high school shortstop immediately up into, you know, uh, low A or or high A, but like, I don't know, like, uh, you know, Anthony Servideo or uh, what's his face, the the um, Hayden. Yes, thank you. Oh, yeah, my I, boy, Hayden Cantrell. Yes, exactly. Like Hayden Cantrell. My heart. Like, br- that was maybe the heart. Yeah. N- no. The heartbreaker was when uh, was when I lost out on my boy Baron Radcliffe. Yeah, and um, at the death, at the death of the draft too. Yeah, but like, pretty pretty close to the end when I had just been hoping like, oh, maybe they'll be able to get him as a free agent. Yeah. No, but yeah, Hayden Cantrell. Hayden Cantrell was a kick exactly in the as well. like the the kind of guy where it's like, okay, like this guy probably isn't high upside middle infield, but it's like this guy's a guy who. You can put in the middle infield, and at every step of the way, it makes sense that this guy may make the big leagues and have a positive role in the big leagues at some point. So you it, you feel good about putting this guy in to start the lineup every day, and you but don't that's feel why like they got Caden Polklovich. Who that I recognize, like was... as when he got picked, I was like, oh, they're not taking Hayden Kendra <laughs> because that's a very that's yeah, very similar like, skill set. I think we need to. I think we do need to give like two minutes to. Kate yes, Polkovich. yes. He is the one I've most heavily overlooked here, and yeah. and so I, I would like to hear a little bit more about this because so, the main issue I'm I'm running into there is like seeing. Okay, I've seen him in at second base. That's fine. I've seen people say, "Oh, well, you should just put him in center field." Okay, but like, does that mean he doesn't? He's not qualified to play either of those positions, or is it? Is it he is good at? at multiple positions like what what is what is give me give me some more on Polkovich here I only watched a little bit of him at the when the cape was going on and I talked to Ralph Lifshitz about uh about Caden a little bit and like he's fun I mean he's five foot eight he's 165 pounds he is me it's Fun. <laughs> yeah, we were, we were gonna fun. say he was. See, I believe we called him. Male, we called him muscle male bongers. privilege. Like you can always, <laughs> there will always be someone as diverse as baseball is, 
there'll always be someone who kind of looks like you. Maybe, oh. but I can also say there is unequivocally not very many of them, and <laughs> the ones that are my size generally don't hit tanks. And Joe, yeah. where is your where is your HDMH tattoo? I don't have that height tattoo. doesn't measure heart. Well, uh, I mean, you know clearly what? you need to get fa- one. I do have a, a family tattoo. It says family on my... It's on my bicep, too. Damn, I'm not winning this at all. And then... I no, you a, are not coming off well in this. I have a I pretty... I'm not going to lie. I have a pretty dope my oh my tattoo. But anyways... Um, we'll we'll, we'll get... Sure we'll, yeah, we'll get Caden. That's, that's time and, for and another. We'll, and we'll get Caden one as well to but match. But every, every picture I take, I have my shirt on. <laughs> uh, but no like okay so like polkovich is super fun he's yeah. 5 8 165 and from the people that i've talked to and from like the little bit of tape that i watched like dude's got some power like he's got he's got some juice in his bat um but the like the arm doesn't really play in any corners or on the left side of the infield so yeah he's like second base center field strictly um he really reminds me a lot of Dylan Moore, like the profile that Dylan Moore provides, except Dylan yeah, Moore can play short. I'm actually psyched to see someone smaller than Dylan Moore hit the ball with the same <laughs> and just watch Kate's brain <laughs> Why do you want my brain to explode, John? Why? You saw how I reacted to Dylan Moore hitting those <laughs> I, if I can't even handle it. If Caden mm-hmm. Polkovich turns into, like, the... Actually, you know what? Mark McLemore is kind of, he's kind of got the diminutive uh, stature and he's a better power hitter, it sounds like, than McLemore. But it's been a while since Seattle has just had that utility guy that they throw out there five nights a week at different positions and actually contributes offensively. Like, no offense to Dylan Moore. I love his 430-foot home runs, but, Mm. like, his 40% daddy hack strikeouts are... (laughs) Are a little yeah. bit of an issue. No, I mean so. even if he's even if he like ends up because I think Shed Long has a stronger arm than Polkovich, um, mm-hmm. just particularly from like being a catcher for so long and third baseman and third baseman. Yeah, so like, but I mean that in size, in swing intensity, um, you know, I mean that honestly is a is a neat profile and and sort of pathway to follow that that you know works <clears> with the Macklemore <throat> thing as well of like. You know this guy. You know it is a bit of a sum of his parts guy, but like it's not a dull. It it's not the dull Andrew Romine type of middle no. of utility. And you know what, Caden Polkovich, I'm calling it now. Like December's gonna roll around, we will have completely forgotten about Caden Polkovich. Mm-hmm. He's gonna pop up in 2024, like just totally randomly, <laughs> and we're gonna take him for granted for six years he's gonna be like a staple Mm -hmm. uh in the mariners bench four nights a week and we'll never applaud him and he's gonna he's gonna play six years here he's gonna hit like 270 he'll hit 90 home runs for the mariners and then he'll move on and we're just not even gonna you know give him the due that he's probably deserving Safeco Field once started a Sean O'Reilly chant. I think if Caden Polkovich hits 270, people, there will yes. be some appreciation people, for it. People, I guess. You're and probably he's got right. the personality for it. Too, no, absolutely. Right? Like he's, he's got he's, a tude in a fun way. Brendan he's Ryan, my favorite as Brendan far Ryan as. Brendan the... once hit 185, and people were banging their desks when he was removed from the lineup. It's fair. Sorry, Kate, go ahead. Bokovic is definitely my favorite as far as, like, just a personality upside. Mm-hmm. But don't sleep on 
Taylor okay. Dullard, either, who has a bunch of famous friends. I guess he grew up playing uh, Little League with Jack Flaherty and... Um, Nick Tut- the Turturro family? The Turturro family, yeah. <laughs> get born in Shor- If you have any choice in the matter, get born in Sherman Oaks, California yeah. to... Yeah. to an- a fairly upwardly mobile family, I guess, because you will run into a lot of people. Yeah. Man, California baseball is a trip. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to say that Greg Johns recently published an article on Phillips, uh, Connor Phillips, saying that that is somebody who the Mariners were interested in when he was a high schooler and have been watching him. They loved him. They targeted him. So that was someone that they clearly had an eye on. Um, and uh, Scott Hunter compares him to Trevor Bauer. Yuck. The way he walks into the ballpark, <laughs> his throwing program, even his delivery. I'm assuming, too, that that means that he's very intellectual about his pitching. And mm-hmm. uh, hopefully that's where the similarities end somewhat. Although I, Trevor Bauer has done a lot this pandemic to kind of... Real, real mixed back. <laughs> yeah, Nick Heath. I mean, why didn't we draft a Nick Heath? Mm-hmm. That's what we need. But then again, we need like someone with a social media presence that does that too. Like, oh, I don't know, Hayden Cantrell. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I rest. Um, but yes. Yeah, but anyway, it, it's interesting to see. Like, they definitely thought that was somebody that they've been watching for a long time, and. Um, somebody that they consider has having huge upside. And we saw them kind of do that with Brandon Williamson too last year, right? Yeah. Like they do, as far as pitching goes, seem to find something that others in the industry don't always see. So yeah. I am encouraged about Connor Phillips. And God, their names are just so boring. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> is so what hard it is, for me Kate. to remember. That is what Con- it is. Connor That's Phillips. why we're so high on Caden Polkovich. It really <laughs> is. It really is, because I cannot totally... Well, let's jump onto this Brandon Keba question. Yes. Oh, yes. Um, so, good one. Yeah, so, so go, go for ahead, it, John. John. Okay, I'm gonna, I'll ask the question, because okay. I, I know you're the Deloach enthusiast in particular. Uh, so Brandon Keba asks, at uh, K3BBA on Twitter... Uh, Deloach swing comp to Yelich? Am I crazy? Also, player comp for Tyler Keenan Mustakis. Personally wanted Servideo over Polkovich, but think that out of all the draftees, he stands to make the biggest strides. Overall, B. Looking forward to undrafted pool. So a lot a lot of things we've covered there. I'll say Hunter Dozier is my comp on, on Keenan there real quick. Somebody um, meanly put a Mike Carp comp to Tyler Keenan. Yeah, I the, saw that, and I... It doesn't. Mike, I think it's because they're both kind of gingers, right? Yeah, but they they're both giant gingers. Like, Why don't you just comp him to Bucky Jacobson? And, and Carp also was an outfit. I mean, maybe I'm forgetting a Carp being well. An whoever made that comp, I did see the comp, and like, I mean, maybe offensively. I, I guess I don't yeah. remember my Carp's swing that well. Anyways, um, tell me about tell me about uh, well, quickly, uh, delicious swing. <clears throat> I agree on the B grade. I think that's a good. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good fair grade for the draft. But on Deloach's swing. Um, I have seen, I actually had a similar thought when I watched the swing, but I think most of it just comes from when he gets a hold of one, he kind of limps the bat over his back, mm-hmm. uh, kind of like how Yelich does when he knows he got one. There's a little bit of the uh, like leg kick where he brings his knees entirely together, but I think Yelich gets into his legs a little bit more than Deloach does, and um, it sounds like Deloach has uh, employed a little bit of a 
uh, toe tap uh, this year. I haven't seen too much of that, but yeah, I think there's like little tiny pieces of the swing that don't actually have to do with the mechanics of the swing that are similar to Yelich, but I wouldn't necessarily make a direct swing comp on that. Uh, and then my player comp for Tyler Keenan, uh, I think I mentioned it earlier, is Pedro Alvarez, just kind of a boomer bust. And like strictly like 2015 Pedro Alvarez, like after the pizza, you know? Like <laughs> Was it a pizza or... Oh, yeah. What? No, I'm mixing up with Randall Simon, who attacked a hot dog with a bat. Oh, uh, <laughs> no, or Jesus Montero. No, just corner, like, a guy that shouldn't be, like Pablo Sandoval, a guy that shouldn't be playing third base but happens to be playing third base at an outlierish size. Mm-hmm. Um, but Pedro Alvarez would be my performance and body comp. Um, okay, well... Let's uh, let's go to question from Kyle Geller here at Kyle Geller G E H L E R. Uh, hoping that's Geller, not Geller. But uh, do you expect next year's draft to be even deeper with a high number of high schoolers going the JUCO route? Um, and obviously, we'll have some undrafted guys going. But uh, do do you guys expect that there will be just a, an absolute glut of guys again next year like that? I don't think so. Not from, like, not guys that you've heard of. All the guys that didn't make it to an organization are going to, like, you know, Vanderbilt and Arkansas. And uh, if you go that route, you have to wait until you turn 21 or three years after you graduate high school. So you you might see more pop-ups like Connor Phillips uh, that, you know, shoot up. But they're not going to be guys that you know, you know, on draft day per se, like you're not going to think there's excess value if that makes sense. That'd be my expectation. That's fair. I mean, so what about like guys like, like we, we had uh, blade Tidwell and like, um, just like, I mean, not necessarily, uh, Harold or Harold Cole, but like, uh, you know, just, uh, and some of those pop-up guys who are you know popping up this summer, um, and and you know may may think like Phillips. I I'm I am my inclination is you'll see more. I I think it's probably not going to be like staggering, um, but I mean there are a lot of guys right now who, um, you know who just are being pushed down the line as a result of there yeah. not being as many guys. I think bigger. we'll see a. Uh, uh log jam in a few years after all the kids this year who should have been drafted for the prep kids mm-hmm. are eligible for the draft again mm-hmm. yeah. and they might have to start looking at like switching up the draft eligibility rules just to smooth it out a little so there isn't a huge chunk in a couple of years of kids who all opted to go to college instead of going into the draft because this draft was i mean completely light on high school players for that reason like after right. a certain point Unless teams had compensated in earlier rounds by going under slot in order to take players later. Um, just pretty, pretty light on high school. I think day one was like 20 college players to 10 high school mm-hmm. players. And that's where the they said it was a record. The, I mean, they said it was a record for like the first yeah. three or four rounds. Yeah. For lowest number of college of high school players. Yeah. I do uh, so think, uh, something has to be done about that. The JUCO ranks may not see. Uh, like yeah you may see more pop-ups next year and it may be more of a 
more of a narrative uh, going after those guys in, you know, rounds three through five through 10. But the real conversation is going to be in 2023 when, you know, you, you talk about the Kevin Paradas, you talk about the Tanner Witts, you talk about some of these guys that have no, like, they have no business going to school. They're that talented. They should be here. Drew Bowser um, even, right? Drew yeah, Bowser. Drew I mean, Bowser. Yeah, so I think those guys, um, you're going to see a really, really good college class in 2023. Probably one of the better classes we've maybe ever seen. That might be a little preemptive, but... Yeah. Um, okay, well, let's let's r- sort of wrap up here with uh, a couple interconnected questions here. We, we're now going to get to that uh, Burl Ives pipe question, uh, which is, what is the deepest position now... Uh, in the system uh, and then the the subsequent question from jacob wall at j wall 1996 was what do you think the outfield will look like in the next five years uh, a lot of intriguing players to fill the three spots so i th- you guys may think it's the outfield i don't know i'd be cu- i, I want to hear what you guys think um but but what what position group do you think you're most excited about um it's kind of a toss-up. I, I guess outfielders, just because, you know, you've got five of them in the top ten with Lewis, Fraley, Rodriguez, and Kelnick, and now you, I think Deloach kind of fits right in there with Fraley and Lewis. Um, but it, I don't know. Like, at the same time, Kirby and Gilbert and Justin Dunn and now Hancock, that's, that's really tough. Um... I would say outfielders. And then to the second part of that question, what it's going to look like, like, dude, your guess is as good as mine. I would think that Kellenic will definitely be in it. I think the odds are Julio Rodriguez will probably be in it. Um, and then I don't think Kyle Lewis is going to be in the outfield. He may be DHing. And then, you know, the other spots either going to be Fraley or Deloach or I don't know I I can't assume all five of these guys are still going to be Mariners in three years like if I'm being totally honest that's not even counting Jonathan Clace or Noel V. Marte if he's forced out there uh I don't think Noel V. Marte will be forced into the outfield I think he, I think he probably bottoms out somewhere in the dirt third yeah, base at probably least. Third. he is athletic but yeah I agree but yeah, it is the outfield crunch, looming crunch is a complicated situation to think about. And it starts getting to be an issue in the next couple of years with Julio and Jared. So that I think is the most stat. I don't know where Zach Deloach goes even. Um, there's going to have to be some wheeling and dealing. And obviously, like, you want depth and maybe you... <laughs> I don't know. You can't really make any of them. The thing is, like, when you just don't have... They're going to have to trade some of them for shortstops eventually if J.P. Crawford (laughs) doesn't work out. Or, like, maybe you get a lower-level guy. And, again, it's not the worst thing to have a lot of um, depth in one particular area and and make a good trade. So I'm not super worried about that. But, yeah, I think positionally all you can say... If you could say going into the draft this year that the Mariners' strengths were pitching in outfield, you could have said that last year, I think, and yeah. you're still going to be just... saying the same thing. So it's frustrating not to see any movement yeah. on that front. They very, they very much um, 
sort of leaned into their strengths instead of shoring up their weaknesses yeah. in this draft, which in last year was all about shoring up their weakness. There was not pitching depth in the system. And That's that was, true. you know, while we were looking at this draft and that draft and thinking, man, this, it's too bad. This pitching, you know, the pitching depth sucks, but this draft isn't that great for pitching. They, you know, bulldoze right through that anyway. <laughs> and that, you know, and, and it's looking reasonably good for, for the guys they got. But, um, it's it, it was I think somewhat surprising I guess I I did think that they were going to say okay we've covered pitching I mean obviously you can never have too much pitching but like we have you know really shored this up we're gonna find some ways to sort of balance out our system now um and they, and again maybe know, that's next year's draft maybe, maybe next, next year's, year's draft, draft is yeah. just gonna be position palooza mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it, it, I think they got good players. I just, um, yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm more excited about the outfielders just still based on that upside. But I mean, it's really, it is a law firm that they have got there of Hancock, Gilbert and Kirby, um, that, that you, you know, is going to be coming up through the ranks and, and all you need is really, I mean, even if, whether Sheffield and Dunn, either of them stick in the rotation, I, I think they are going to be good big league pitchers in, in some capacity. Um, and, and the lack of, you know, pressure on those guys to be the guys is really good, but it comes at the expense of right now. It looks like a lot, you know, pretty much every position player on the, in, in the infield there is needs to be the guy. Because there's there's no one coming for a little while unless they go in free agency. So I will how say- did we do in like what we wanted from the draft? Because I went oh I went over. I did not get Nick Gonzalez. I did not get any of the day two targets that I had outlined. I did not get a catcher. The closest I got probably is uh oh my god Caden Polklovich. I'm going to have to learn that name. Um, I asked for somebody with personality, so I guess that was that was the only item I got to cross off of my wish list. How about you guys? I was one for five, and it's not even a full one. It's like two halves. Because mm-hmm. I was like, I, you could have given me Emerson Hancock or Nick Gonzalez, and I would have been happy. So I got one of those, so that's like half a point. Yeah. And, then, and I will say, like, I was very attached to Nick Gonzalez, but I feel like I've been very unfair to Emerson Hancock because I think he has sort of resting bitch face. <laughs> like he's resting just got, pitch face. He has resting pitch face, and I should be. I thought I, I just, and I've seen him on the mound primarily, so I was like, man, that guy's a dick. But he is apparently only that on the mound, and is super nice and wonderful in his personal life, which is exactly what you want. So. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm starting to come around on that. He still doesn't have a big personality. He's a quiet guy, but, um, I'm much more attached to Emerson Hancock than I was at the beginning. So I should, I should, I guess, say that I got like maybe one total if I give half points for personality and a half point for Hancock. Yeah. Yeah. The only, the other half point I would say is the Deloach thing. And the only reason I say that is I didn't think Seattle would go after Deloach, like I didn't think college outfield was going to be anywhere near their radar, so I never even considered him mocked to Seattle. But 
if you told me Deloach was going to Seattle pre-draft, I would have been stoked. So I'll say another half point there. Yeah, I, I think I got about a point and a half. Well, I mean, I explicitly did want Tyler Keenan, so that is, I think, I can't, mm-hmm. I can't like write multiple times about a late round infielder and then not count that as a full point because like that just was very cool um that like you're so happy i was really happy and i i remain very happy about him um and and yeah i I think he is i mean he there is a lot of cow rally and uh raleigh in his swing um there's and and just you know general personality like there's a bunch of great mic'd up videos from Ole miss of him and he's just very like the most quintessential like jolly gigantic baseball player <laughs> from the south like it was it was like it was a trip for me like having played like through college baseball and just like spending most of my summers like much of my life um you know not nearly to the degree of quality of any of these players but like <laughs> you know doesn't matter the quality people are still saying the same things like oh that's a nuke dude like oh <laughs> dropping tanks like i mean just like it was it was like weirdly comforting to just hear this goof like i saw a lot of some of my favorite teammates in him there it was like yeah. oh, this is like an entertaining guy i like immediately see the appeal of this in addition to obviously you know the the skill set that that plays, um, and then Hancock. Like, I I feel similarly about. Yeah, it's frustrating because I I liked Gonzalez and I think he was something that the system could have really used. But Hancock, when I look at it, like looking at the board at the time when the Mariners picked, they could have taken Veen, they didn't, but they took I think like the pitcher and probably the guy who has you know one or one of the you know two or three guys who are best suited to turning into an impact talent at the big league level and it's it's very clear to see the pathway for that and that's um that is exciting and and i i i've wanted an impact talent out of this draft and the fact that they didn't go for athleticism or tools bummed me out beyond that. But the fact that they went for a clear guy who it's like, yes, looks like an ace, quacks like an ace. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know, all, all of those things where it's like, yeah, Logan Gorbush doing really well and is like turning into this like middle or top of the rotation potential kind of guy. Like, yeah, George Kirby has like some of these tools, but it's like, here's a guy has all those sort of control characteristics his velocity is even better the you know a lot of the analytics on his stuff are very promising if they can even just work a little more on it and he dominated the best college baseball players in in the country and as you know as a 20 year old and was you know probably going to do just fine ultimately this this spring again so Seattle and we'll hopefully as my favorite thing about him potentially really stick it to Keith Law (laughs) so that's really one of the things I'm most excited about is for both for Emerson Hancock and Justin Dunn both of whom have been because Law does this he picks prospects he just doesn't like Uh, he's done the same thing with Madderall he's just like I'm the low one on the, you know, and he's, he makes a 
like personality out of disliking those <laughs> those prospects. I, I don't like it personally. Um, but he's he's pegged Hancock. Hancock is in his crosshairs. Does not think he's very good because of the fastball didn't have results like ace like results like Ace Lazy had with his. Um, does not thinks he has too much of a head whack. So I'm really. I am just rooting extra hard for Emerson Hancock to just shove that scouting report down Keith Law's throat. If it's any consolation to the folks that, you know, struggle with this draft for the Mariners, I do think um, Seattle, the farm system passed uh, the Braves over the last couple of days. I think Seattle's squarely the fourth best farm system in in the bigs now. Uh, Atlanta had a terrible draft. Schuster was the best player that they walked away with. and he's, Yeah, I did not care for Atlanta's draft. Yeah, Schuster's probably the 40, 45th best player. And pulling Everson Hancock, uh, it was already pretty close. So I think, you know, Seattle probably passes them now. Unfortunately, one thing you'll probably see a lot of over the next month is you will see Noel V. Marte falling off top 100 lists. And you'll see George Kirby falling off of top 100 lists. Um, but you know that's at the expense of adding a top. But 60 we know prospect. they're on the top 100 list of our heart. <laughs> and they're, I mean, all it takes is a little bit of baseball, and they'll be back on. Because guys haven't graduated off those lists this uh-huh. summer, and so. Yeah, the Braves took three arms and Jesse Franklin, and I had not heard of either of their two back end ones, Spencer Strider or Bryce Elder. So, mm. and Jesse Franklin, who I think is very good. We've obviously we all know Jesse Franklin, but that's our. He's had a rough go of it in college at recapturing kind of his prep glory. So that's a, yeah, I would, I would agree. At first when you said that, Joe, I was like, hmm, mm, Christian Pache, your waters, like all that pitching. Um, I rejected that out of hand, but you know, I might, Seattle took a bigger step forward than Atlanta did, and Atlanta's step forward was so small that I think that maybe we we took a step past them. I mean, Seattle's got three, four, they've got four top 60 prospects before this, and the Braves have three top 60 prospects before this, and we added another one, so. Which, honestly, I mean, that should have happened, right? Like, they had the sixth overall pick in the draft, and that was why I was a little... Grown attached to him now, but that was why I was disappointed about Deloach, just because of the stuff that they had to pick from there that really could have. I think that was an opportunity to really. And again, it's not about what the pundits say, right? It's not about the grades you get on the draft. It's not about what other people think about your draft. It's about what you think about it, mm-hmm. and that's you stand behind your scouting. So. And let's be honest, the position caught us all off guard. You know, it could have been any number. Yeah, we could have developed some hype for him. Because I definitely developed sure. hype afterwards. I mean, but... it could have been any shortstop on the board. Any short, <laughs> Like, literally, <laughs> it could have been, I think, truly, I think it could have been Trey Cruz at 43. And we would have been like, uh, uh, okay, you know what, you're right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. So, it's just, it, it was an outfielder, and that's not what anybody expected. But let me tell you He's a damn good outfield prospect, and that's something we should be excited about. And that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to draft best player available. And, you know, the farm system has been so poor for so long that we've been able to kind of skirt that because they needed everything. So best available was also what they needed. And even you could say that with Hancock this year. Like, 
they did need him because they didn't have a, a frontline ace. And now they have that. And, like, I love the one-two punch of, like, Velvet Glove Gilbert and, and Punch You in the Face Hancock. Like, the power pitcher, the finesse pitcher. That's really tough. When you're in an opposing club and you have to face one of those guys one night and one of those guys the next night, ugh, no thank you. That... That's, that is an unpleasant slate of games for a hitter, I think. So, you know, he was necessary. It's, and he was, he's such an outsized talent, I think, too, that, like, you have to kind of, I I think that that was enough to kind of move the system forward significantly. And we still have money to sign Lindor, so we're all good. Perfect. We're all good. Well, thank you guys for, for talking this through. You definitely, I, I definitely started uh this recording a little down and i i feel better about yeah, this having talked this too. with you that's actually often the case too. on these things so <laughs> uh, so listeners uh, we hope you feel better too yeah. if you came into this kind of bummed yeah um it honestly like it could have been worse it wasn't true. it wasn't too bad it wasn't whatever the giants were doing uh, oh my oh god my that's a whole other conversation <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll do that. that here yeah another time but uh if you can't yeah. say anything nice, yeah, that's it. Uh, well, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, thank you for following along with our draft coverage. Uh, uh, you know, we'll see what's next. Uh, but uh, you know, hopefully, we'll have some undrafted signee news next week, and uh, obviously, we'll have some more write-ups on the site. Um, but uh, until then, uh, we will stay safe. And go Mariners.